and welcome to Not a Couple, a Will and Grace podcast. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this week we're talking about Season 7, Episode 16, Dance Cards and Greeting Cards. That's a nice uh, episode title. It's very descriptive. It is very descriptive. Not a riff on anything, I don't think. No, I think it's... It's just words. Those are words. Together. That, and they're like phrases. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then Technically, words are just letters. Technically, letters are just visual representations of sounds. Technically, we're all just visual representations of sounds. And the sound is the whale that we first made coming out of the womb. Okay, you gotta stop doing, like, (laughs) classes on existentialism and shit before you come do the podcast. Guys, existentialism is really rough. (laughs) All right, let's do the episode description and then we'll get into the existential crises that Matthew was having. Sounds great. Okay, dance cards and greeting cards. Although Grace tries to ignore it, St. Valentine's Day... Hold on. What? (laughs) Saints were throwing saint in there? Okay, you're literally the person who made a plot point in your Dear Evan Hansen fanfic that one of the characters was like, I don't know if we can celebrate Valentine's Day because it's a Christian holiday. That's not what happened. That's exactly what happened. No, it's not. What happened was he said that he had never previously celebrated Valentine's Day because he and his girlfriend were very, like, in their past relationship, like, anti-Christian stuff. It's not a Christian... It is a Christian holiday. Okay. I'm going to leave this podcast. Move on. (laughs) Although Grace tries to ignore St. Valentine's Day, she winds up with a hunky greeting card writer, Ed Burns. Karen's former nemesis, Jeff Goldblum, tries... (laughs) (laughs) You are really riding the struggle bus today. (laughs) Karen's former nemesis, Jeff Goldblum, tries to win her heart by showering her with gifts. What an episode. What a description. What a description of that description. What a wild. <laughs> okay. I, you thought I had problems with all my existentialism. Oh my god. And I apparently just have developed some sort of like speech impediment or something. A speech impediment. Kind of accidentally, this week happens to be Valentine's Day. It's one of our rare alignments with the Will and Grace schedule. Uh, it, it wouldn't have been, but a couple weeks ago we were like, we need to take a mental health week <laughs> off of the podcast because we're really tired. And surprise, it looks intentional. We're amazing. Yay, Look we're at how so great smart. we are. Um, but it's actually Valentine's Day on Friday this year, so. We did it. Hooray. <laughs> this was a, a, a sweet little Valentine's episode. It was like romantic in weird ways sometimes. Yes. Um, so the Karen plotline is, as we kind of have sort of heard from the description, although it's not a full description, is her with Scott Woolley again, mm-hmm. a.k.a. Jeff Goldblum, a.k.a. Life Finds a Way. A.k.a. Haley Joel Osment. Yes. A.k.a. Scott, what was his, Scott, I don't even, I don't care. What, what was his fake name from the dating site? Do you remember? Oh, God, it was, um... Elevator hazard at whalewatchers.com. Oh my god, that's right. So this is a, a rare moment when we kind of experience this sort of weird like cognitive dissonance where we forget that Will and Grace went into the like early the mid at this point the, the mid two thousands the mid two thousands. So some of the things that like they're talking about are like things that are still things, right? Like online dating, which is still a thing. Very different, obviously, but like very very different. Um, but we, th- this is kind of the the it's a catfishing plot. Yeah. I mean, it's it's kind of... I don't think the term catfishing gets coined for several more years. I'm pretty sure it's an early 2010s thing. Because um, MTV coins it. Yes. Um, but this was kind of always... I mean, it is still. But, like, the mid-2000s is kind of where this idea that, like, you would go on a date with someone and they wouldn't be who they say they were mm-hmm. online. 
became like a cultural fear. Yes. Like for lack the, of a better term. There was a real sense of anxiety about the internet in general. Like I remember, because this was, for, as those of you who've listened to this podcast for a long time and those of you newcomers from Missouri don't know this, my family didn't have the internet until kind of way late in the game. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was like 2003 before we had like reliable, consistent internet connections. Yeah. And so like my family had especially intense anxieties about like, don't tell anyone on the internet who you are. Lie. <laughs> Lie and make shit up. Do not tell them where you live. Do not tell them what your name, age, gender, any of that stuff is. My MySpace account still says I live in Burlington, Alabama, uh-huh. which is clearly patently untrue from the link to my high school, which isn't in Burlington, Alabama. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that my MySpace also had me aged 10 years up for reasons. 10 years up? I'm pretty sure mine had me aged like one year up. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, that was like, because I'm born in 1990. Uh-huh. And so for a long time to get past like any age restrictions, I would just like default to clicking 1980. And so I'm pretty sure my MySpace might say that I'm a f- almost 40 year old person. Wow, that's horrifying. I know. Um, um, yeah, so, but this is what happens to Karen. She goes on a website, which we don't have time to unpack all of it. Yeah. But we're gonna, we're just gonna breeze on past it because we've got too much other shit to talk about. But Karen is on a website which is specifically for people trying to date fat people. We didn't know that was one of her interests since mostly she seemed to complain about Stanley being fat, but there you have it. But here we go. Now we've learned that apparently it is a fetish for her. She likes fat partners. In the wake of his death or whatever, like... Just a mess. It's, yeah. Just a mess. Um, it, it's this weird bit where it's equal parts like fat phobia and fat shaming, but also like fat philia and fetishism. Yeah, which it can be two sides of the same coin, and I'm not 100% sure that's even what's happening now, but like whatever. Like It's just really weird because like there's a lot of, like Karen is like, ooh, I met this man and he's 400 pounds, but he moves like a 380. And like, but then like also another bit where she's like, stay away from my dates. And she's referring to a piano. Like, <laughs> right. it's very confusing, especially for me as a person with a fat body watching this. I'm just like, I don't know how to feel about this. It's probably negative, but we're just, I don't have time right. to get into all of that. But spoiler alert, it's not actually a lovely fat man who's trying to seduce Karen. It's just Scott Woolley. It's just fucking Scott Woolley. So Jeff Goldblum's back. <laughs> this was Here's the weird thing about the episode. Out of the three episodes of Jeff Goldblum we've seen, this is actually him and his least intolerable. Yes. And there's two reasons for this. One is that he's a better lover than a fighter. He is genuinely more interesting when he's, like, trying to win Karen's heart. Yeah. And doing nice things for her and being a normal human being. Ish. Ish. For Jeff Goldblum. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's reason number one that I think makes sense. And reason number two is that Beverly Leslie is in this episode. <sighs> so you may remember many, 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 many moons ago, there was this concept introduced, I believe it was back in the episode A Chorus Lie, which was like season two or three. Oh, yeah. He's an old timer. It's an old one. A Chorus Lie, that was... That's the one with Matt Damon. Is that the one with Matt Damon? Mm-hmm. It is the one. Because he's lying and he's pretending to be gay, but he's That is correct. That is correct. A so, oh, lie. that is season four. I don't know why I thought it was earlier. Not important. The thing is, we it, we're introduced to this idea that Karen's country club does this big dance on Valentine's Day mm-hmm. and that she and Stan always dance the spotlight dance together. Right. Um, so anyways, here she is. She's at this dance and Beverly Leslie is like, ooh, Karen, you're not going to have a dance partner and it will be such a scandal. Which is weird because like, A, we've already had this plot. Yes. B, didn't Stan die last year? Yes. So didn't this, wouldn't this have already happened? Yes. 
Okay, I'm not crazy, though. No, I, it's weird. Okay. It's very strange to me. Does he just show up every year as like, ha-ha, you still have someone to dance with? I don't know. And so then Karen is annoyed, but then, and, you know, hates Beverly Leslie a lot. But she feels caught because, you know, she already blew off Jeff Goldblum for misrepresenting himself on the internet, and she doesn't have a date. But and the she, piano can't dance. And she'd been bragging about having a date. And so then Jeff Goldblum, like, kind of, like, tries to, like, it's not even defend her honor so much as he just picks up Beverly Leslie. <laughs> he just physically picks the man up. And that shakes Beverly Leslie to his core. And he runs back to the little Keebler elf tree that he lives in. Also known as Benji. <laughs> also known as Benji, his business associate. Um, and Karen is so besotted by this active gentlemanly behavior. Or something. Or something that she's like, I'll be your date tonight. Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Like, I mean... I don't even know what I want to say. Like, I just, I'm so flabbergasted by this plot. It's so Because weird. Jeff Goldblum does nothing yeah. to gain her affection. He doesn't do anything. And then he just kind of lovingly stares at her and, like, showers her with really creepy compliments. Right. And then... Karen's the one who's supposed to give really creepy compliments. Yeah, that's kind of her specialty. <laughs> but, like, she's sort of like, okay. And so then he's like, be with me forever. Let's dance the spotlight dance. And she's like, no. No, I'm not going to do that. <laughs> And then the whole episode kind of, like, undercuts, like, Beverly Leslie's dastardly plot. Right. Because then she's, like, it's like the spotlight lands on her, and they're like, oh, Karen's alone. And then she's like, yep. <laughs> I'm Chad. I'm Ch- Just makes, for those of you who aren't watching SNL, <laughs> Pete, um. Davidson. Davidson. I almost said Buddha Judge. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Pete Davidson. Pete Buttigieg would never be caught in drag. <laughs> Pete Davidson's Chad character is like my new favorite like way to relate to like not giving a shit because he's just like <laughs> this bro who just is like, yeah, okay, okay, no, nah. and like he just did one where RuPaul was like, you're gonna become a drag superstar, Chad. And he's like, okay. <laughs> but that's kind of Karen's reaction. And mostly you can't just walk in a dress. It's a it's a whole thing. You can't walk in a dress and heels and so. She, RuPaul's like, aren't you going to try harder, Chad? He's like, nah. nah. <laughs> and that's kind of where Karen's at this week. Yeah, she's just like, I'm not interested in, like, trying harder or playing this game. Yeah. Or... It's like the most anticlimactic ending we've seen in a while on a Will and Grace episode. It was very strange. That was just sort of like... Not counting the other anticlimaxes in the same episode. Yeah, this episode was full of anticlimaxes. Like, they just decided not to write any endings. It was sort of just like they wrote a bunch of really high stakes, and then they were just like, nah. <laughs> And they're not even that high of stakes. Well, they're like high personal stakes. They're high-ish. The highest stakes are probably in Will and Jack's potlucks. Maybe yes. we should segue into that one. Yes. So Will and Jack accompany Karen to this dance. Because reasons. Because reasons. As often we have described in this show, particularly this season, it sort of seems like one of them gets invited somewhere and then the <laughs> other ones just friends. show up. For... Like Grace even shows up at the end. She's like, oh, I'm sorry I'm late. It's like, why were you there to begin with? Why were you even invited? Why are you here at all? Yeah, like I feel like... It... In previous seasons, I feel like they did a better job of either getting a reason for the characters to all be in one spot, uh-huh. or, like, they just had other plot lines. And this season, like, everyone's getting invited along everywhere. They're just like, nope, we've just decided that we're too lazy to try and come up with a backstory. Just, you're all going just, here because You're all going here. It's Because fine. reasons. So, the plot line is, I guess, that Will and Jack are like, there's no gays here that we can make out with. How At sad. At this country club. At this weird country club that Karen belongs to. I don't even really know how it, it comes up. I think the two sisters walk up to them, the Portillo sisters. Is that how they open the episode? Yes. So the Portillo sisters, who are these two elderly, they're not elderly, they're just older, ladies, 
One of them is Cheetah Rivera. One of them is Cheetah Rivera, nice. and she doesn't look like Cheetah Rivera at all. Yeah, they did some weird things to her makeup or hair or both. But she's Cheetah Rivera. And they come up and they hit on Jack and Will, or so it seems, <laughs> and ask them to dance. And they're like, okay. And then they, like, really aggressively dance. Yeah, it's like, it's intense. Mm-hmm. It's like, so you think you can, or not so you think you can dance. It's like Dancing with the Stars, but, like, if the people that the stars got partnered with didn't, like, go easy on them for the first week. Mm-hmm. And they were like, let's go, five, six, seven, eight. <laughs> bitch, bitch, bitch. Like, it's, like, really, like, intense, and they're, like, tangoing, and it's beautiful, and, like, Jack and Will are both very out of breath. Yeah. I was out of breath. It was it was a lot. Yeah, they were really going at it. It and makes more sense that it's Cheetah Rivera now. Yeah, and so then, I genuinely don't even remember how it comes up, but, like... Somehow they're talking to Beverly Leslie, and Beverly Leslie's like, two men will never dance together on this dance floor." Yeah, it like it really comes out of nowhere because like <laughs> I didn't, I'd forgotten that Jack and Will had a plot, and then like somehow they're talking to Beverly Leslie, and like it's very much like you know when you go to a party and you have a couple drinks, and like all of a sudden you're talking to someone, and you're like, "Why am I even talking to you? And what are we talking about?" That is what like, this episode, that is what this episode like. feels like. Like all of a sudden you're like, "Will and Jack are talking to Beverly Leslie," like, and Beverly's what? like. What? Two men dancing together? How outlandish! There are no gays here! Yeah, and so it's really like, they're like, oh, maybe we should leave because apparently this place is fucking homophobic. Right. Which should have been an assumption to begin with. It's a country club. Sure, and it's like 2005, so like... But whatever. But then they're talking to the Portillo sisters, mm-hmm. and they're like, yeah, we, we tell everyone we're sisters, but... We're not. We're not. We're lesbians. We're lesbians. And then both Matthew and I are like, looks at each other and Harold, they're lesbians! So they're so they're lesbians. And so then, you know, they explain that they've said that they were sisters because they've always wanted to dance together, but they can't. Because, because they're lesbians. They're lesbians and homophobia is horrible. Right. And so then, Will and Jack dance together? It's like, they're like, we'll break the... They're basically like, they don't say this to their credit, but they're like, we're gonna like break the color line and, like, desegregate the dance floor. Yes. And then, so then they, like, start dancing together during the spotlight dance, which is really convenient for Karen because it distracts from, like, everyone being like, oh, Egads, Karen's alone! Because there's like, oh, no, two men dancing? Except they're really not. Not like, at all, because... Nothing happens. Nothing happens. And then the two lesbians dance together, and it's very cute, and they're very talented. Right. <laughs> and, like, you get the sense that, like, maybe not everyone at the country club knows what's going on. They're like, oh, is this, like, some strange art form? The men and the women are dancing together and not with each other? How strange. How queer. How queer, indeed. But, like, it, it, like it's not even Beverly Leslie gets upset, I don't think. Yeah. I think it's kind of, like, flabbergasted to, like, have the spotlight taken away from him. But, like... If I remember correctly, he says that he's appalled. And then he turns to his business associate and says that they should close their eyes and sway. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like... It's weird because, like, they've built up the plot a fair amount. Like, this is... I hesitate to say whether this is the B-plot or the C-plot because Karen does get a lot of time in this episode, but it feels more like a B-plot because mm-hmm. it's happening, like, in parallel to Karen's plot line. Yeah. And it, it just doesn't go anywhere. It's just like, and then the gays dance together and we did it, guys. We had a homophobia. Right. <laughs> Barack Obama, 28. 28? <laughs> just... Sometimes I, like, start saying a year... In the 21st century, but I forget until I get past the 20 that it's in the first decade of the 20th century. So then I'm like, oh shit. You could have said 2008. I do that sometimes, but I didn't now, so I sounded like a fool. 
I want you to know that the other day I said to one of my peer educators something about something that happened in the early aughts. And I said, early aughts. And she was like, what? <laughs> I was like, cool. You got to call it 2K like on the radio. Is that what they're calling it? Yeah. They're, I was listening to a station in Philly here and they were like, and I was impressed because I haven't heard anyone successfully pull this off yet. They're like, we're playing all the hits from the 80s, 90s, 2K, and today. No. I swear to God, this really no. happened. No. It works, though. No. It kind no, of works. No, 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 no. <laughs> I mean, it does work, but I hate it. And you know what? I hate it. You'll be saying it in a year. Probably. But Except you don't listen to the radio, so that will help. I do listen to the radio. It's just NPR. <laughs> NPR is the radio. Radio is in the name. Okay, let's talk about Grace's plot because we're clearly stalling. Yeah. <laughs> So Grace has a plot this week, but, like, it's weird. Yes. So way back at the start of the episode, we recall that Jeff Goldblum was trying super hard to seduce Karen. And so it's relevant that you should know that he sent her a bunch of presents, and they're all over. And flowers Grace. and cards. And they're all bears. over Grace's office. Which, okay. And so Grace, despite the fact that, like, in most recent episodes, has just not been working at all, because I guess she just didn't feel like it. Mm-hmm. Um, she's back to work. She's back to work on Valentine's Day. When she's been invited, or more accurately, not invited, to Karen's country club. like Uh-huh. This also seems to be, if my memory serves, the first time that Will and Grace actually acknowledges that Grace's office is in, like, a chic warehouse-style, like, loft situation. Right. Because there's a party happening upstairs. Yeah. And people keep showing up to Grace's office being like, where's the party? And she's like, it's not a party. It's just, it's a very boring set up for the episode. It's like, it's, it's already starting on, like, a bad footing, because it's like, I don't care. Like, there's a party going upstairs. And so basically what happens is, like, Grace's new beau comes in and is looking for the party, but instead he sees her and he's enchanted, except, like, he's kind of not? I don't know. Like, like, they have no chemistry together. It's almost like an anti-meet-cute, really. Like, he is like, oh, you must really like Valentine's Day. And then Grace, like, uncharacteristically is, like, excessively bitter. And, like, she can be very bitter sometimes, Mm -hmm. but this was even, like, too far. It was like, oh, shit, we forgot to give Grace any feelings about her divorce from Leo in, like, seven (laughs) episodes, so we're just going to dump them all right here. But it doesn't make any sense that this character would stick around for this, no matter how hot she was. Yeah. Or, like, not, like, say, like, why don't you come upstairs to the party with me? He's just, like, digging around in her office where she's sitting alone... On Valentine's Day. Yeah. Like, why was he going to the party? Was he meeting people there? Like... any Anything. Any setup. Like, literally, like, the party is introduced as a way to get him in the building. But mm-hmm. then, like, he doesn't even seem like he's going to the party. He seems like he just walked in her door. And was like, I can't... I was here for you all along. Yeah. It's and, weird. like, then there's this weird bit where he, like, talks about being divorced, but he phrases it by saying, I lost my wife... Which is very strange and creepy. And she's like, oh my god, I'm so sorry. And he's like, yeah, the divorce was finalized last month. And it was just like, (laughs) what? And he's like, yeah, being a widower is hotter than being divorced. Which was weird because Grace was not immediately like, I'm divorced. Yeah. I don't... This whole plotline was wild. He writes greeting cards. That's That was relevant, I guess. Because he, like, writes, like, schmoopy Valentine's Day card shit. And Grace is like, Valentine's Day is dumb, which... She's not wrong. It is dumb. Valentine's Day is dumb. It's not real. Mm-hmm. It's not. That's all I have to say about that. I like have. Here's the thing. 
It's very difficult for me whenever Valentine's Day rolls around because I genuinely think it is like a garbage holiday that requires no acknowledgement whatsoever. But I also don't want to be that D-bag who's like, Valentine's Day is a corporate brr, 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 <laughs> if I'm with someone who cares about it. So it's like a very fine balancing act of me being like, this is silly, but I love you. Right. Very complicated. But like, I feel like that sort of like nuance is something that's sorely lacking, especially in this episode, that there's no acknowledgement of any sort of middle ground in the slightest Mm -hmm. for any of these plot lines at all. Right, like, it's not like... Because Grace is very bitter about Valentine's Day, and she's dealing with someone who is literally a Valentine's Day greeting card writer. But, like, there's not a middle ground. Grace is kind of just eventually like, yeah, you're right, I guess Valentine's Day isn't so bad. Let's make out. Let's make out. And then she's like... We'll obviously never see each other again because we're star-crossed. And he's like, yeah, but, like, I can call you, right? Yeah. I, I don't, I just, I don't understand why this happened, need to be in this episode. I feel like there was so much more potential to, like, deal with the, like, the, the discomfort and disconnect of having someone who writes Valentine's Day cards be a recent divorced person. Mm-hmm. That they just didn't take that opportunity. They were just like, despite his divorce, Chad is still really romantic. This kind of feels like it's unintentionally a trial run for Noah. Except, like, they took a different character tactic with it. Like, rather than have him be, like, still optimistic, like, Noah is, like, bitter and cynical, but also kind of a romantic. Mm -hmm. Like, this character feels very similar in a lot of ways to that character. Where it's, like, very clear very early on that he and Grace should not click because they're, like, they're not even on the same axis. Like, it's not like those two opinions are really opposites of each other. Mm -hmm. It's just, like, they're totally parallel tracks. It's very odd. But anyways, so this is gonna be Grace's new bow for a couple of weeks. Maybe he'll grow on us. Mm. Maybe... He's, He'll know on us. He's played by the guy who we both recognize as being the dude that Cameron Diaz dumps at the beginning <laughs> of the holiday. What an iconic role. That's it. That's, it's that's so what, great. We it's know such a great him role. from that. The Holiday is a great movie. It is a great movie. You know what I just remembered? Hmm. Back when we used to think that our parts should be slotted into one another's, um, we watched The Holiday on Valentine's Day. Oh. Because you were sick. And your mommy kept you home from school. And then she <laughs> called me to tell me she was keeping you home from school. Well, that was nice of her to do. But she was also keeping you home from school for, like, no reason. Well, you have you have no reasons. You didn't have a fever and you were feeling better. But she was like, I'm just going to keep him home for a couple extra days. Well, I just nearly needed that rest time. Believe me, I'd love to call in sick to school one of these days. Oh, my God. I think back to my perfect attendance in grade school and realized that you were an insufferable prick about it no i just realized that there were no consequences to not going to school and i should have just not gone to school yeah because you were an insufferable prick about it like even like i distinctly remember like years after we got out of high school you were still like well i had a perfect attendance rate and you didn't and i was like i'm 24 what's wrong with you i'm not gonna lie i definitely have mentioned that in job interviews before (laughs) like i'm like i'm so reliable listen to this bitch i had perfect attendance from Grade three until high school. Just and take it care of yourself. No! <laughs> I literally had to berate this one. It's taking a sick day last week. And I had a four-day migraine. Yeah. And I only took off one day. I just... I... And it was mostly because I started driving to work and I was like, should my vision be blurry? <laughs> hmm. 
Find out next week. <laughs> the answer is no. Your vision should not be blurry. Don't worry, listeners. If Tess dies in a horrible car wreck because of their migraines, I will tell you on air. Also, you are one of the beneficiaries of my life insurance policy. That's so lovely. So I think you are one of the beneficiaries of mine as well. You know this. That's why I asked you for my your social security number when I started I this job. I just forget job. sometimes. Like, it wasn't just for, like, shits and giggles that I was like, hey, what's your social? It's better for me to forget those things because otherwise I might get mad at you one day and be like, well, time to bump off tests to get the life insurance money. It's not that much, I gotta tell you. Like, <laughs> you're not gonna, like, benefit. <laughs> all that much right but we're not married so i'm also not gonna get your student loan debt so it's a win-win no i don't want to marry you because you have student loan debt yeah and i have a girlfriend fine 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 that's it that's the end of the episode (laughs) matthew do you want to tell people where they can find us on the internet wow what an (laughs) anticlimax much like this episode all right if you want to find us on social media the best place to look is our twitter page we are at not a couple show you can also send us an email at not a couple podcast at gmail.com or send us a message on Facebook or Tumblr. And as you know from listening to this, you can find our podcast on Apple Podcast, Spotify, and Podbean. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see y'all later. Bye, everybody. Enjoy your anticlimax. Or Valentine's Day. Or both. Don't have an anticlimax on Valentine's Day. Yeah, that'll send you right to the emergency room. That's an episode of Grey's Anatomy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thank you all so much for listening. I'm Tess. I'm Matthew. And this has been Not A Couple. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> this week's episode of Not A Couple was recorded in front of a live studio audience of one cat. Meow. Happy Valentine's Day, Eliza. <laughs> this week's episode of Not A Couple was sponsored by... Valentine's Day! It's the day before all the candy goes half off! Yay!